The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, join me in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, as we continue our study of the seven churches. Thank you, Jeanette, and praise team, and Aiden. I'm asking a couple weeks ago to learn guitar, because uh, we needed someone to play the guitar, and so I'm proud of him for the progress he's made with that. I just still wish I could sing. You know, that's, that hadn't gone away yet, and I can't play nothing, can't sing anything. I just get to be the preacher. So, anyway. <laughs> you know, people don't think about food when they're up here singing, but when I get up here, I think about food, so I'm sure you do too. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. Well, I'm not going to review all the churches um, thus far as that would assume a little bit too much of our time in reflection, but I hope uh, some of the common things you've witnessed, read, studied, meditated on is that he sees. There's nothing he doesn't see, there's nothing he doesn't know. And also that his standard for his churches, he keeps. He didn't create the church to compromise, he didn't create the church for idolatry, He didn't create the church for indifference. He created the church. He loves the church for the church to be passionate and pursue him for their lives, just like he intends for our marriages. And so we're going to pick up here, and it's an an interesting situation going on at Thyatira. So we'll be in chapter 2 and verse 18. And so last week when we looked at Pergamum, what we saw was some individuals that were holding to some, to some sinful immorality. Now, what we're going to cut, it, this is not the same situation, but you are going to see some similarities, and I didn't want to just skip it, um, because I think it's imperative for us to see that one, in one situation, a person was actually teaching it in this situation today, it's more of a spirit of sin that can exist in a church or the memories of a cultish practice or uh, things like that. But uh, church family, last Wednesday night we had a special called business meeting, still waiting uh, to hear from the contractors. But since then... There has been $25,300 raised, putting you at a total of $85,844.53. So I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And, um, church, that's surpassed anything I, I've seen in a, in a church as a pastor in that amount of time. And so I left the business meeting just a little bit heavy that I really didn't like the deal we were getting that much. And uh, so I'm going to cause a little bit of stink with the contractor, and I hope that doesn't bother you any. And um, I'm going to see if I can't do us something a little bit better because my job is to fight for you and protect you. And uh, I'll be nice. 
Um, but again, if you hear of a, a little skirmish out in the parking lot, it's going to be okay, all right? I mean, I'm a big old boy. I can take care of myself. Revelations chapter 2. Well, this is more verses than we would normally read. And uh, you know one thing I've noticed about our time here in Louisiana? Is I felt like at one time I was told, oh, August is the worst. And I feel like I've managed August well. And then I hear, oh, September's even worse. And then I hear, I'm like, well, maybe after September there'll be some, some cool days in the 80s. And then I hear, oh, no. No. No, that doesn't happen here at all. And so, I feel as though my family was misled. Guys, <laughs> we are having so much fun. Um, I, y'all have so much to do outside, and all it means is you just got to sweat a little bit. And it, it has been great for my weight loss program. Revelations chapter 2 and verse 16. But you do have to wash your clothes a lot. And uh, the odor sticks on them a little more than it did in other places. So anyway, okay, hey, what's that got to do with Jesus? Nothing. Well, yeah, it does. He created this place. Here we go. Revelations chapter 2. Now, please walk with me because you're going to see you're going to see a, a reference to an Old Testament woman that lived and who misled and had numerous Israelites killed. And then you're going to see that the idea and the sin of this woman brought back into what would have been modern day in the church of Thyatira. So if you're there in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 18, I'm going to ask you to stand out of recognition for his infallible inerrant word, serving as the final authority on all matters of faith and practice. And it says to the church in Thyatira, Write to the angel of the church in Thyatira, thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. I know your works, <clears throat> I know your love, your faithfulness, your service, and I know your endurance. I know that your last works are greater than those at first. But I have this against you, Thyatira, You tolerate the woman Jezebel. Now that seems like a woman that is living in the present tense. So we'll get back to that. She calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now how is that different than what we read last week? I gave her time to repent But she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. So look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction. Unless they repent of her works, interesting, I will strike her children down. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, 
who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say. I am putting, I'm not putting any other burden on you. Only hold to that which you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my words to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. That's interesting. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my Father, I will also give him in the morning star. Let anyone who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would remove any callousness we have around our hearts that protect us from desperate, passionate obedience to you. We tend to become arrogant and arrogant in our justification, indifference with the presence of sin. Even though we've known for generations this sin was wrong, we still find ourselves often caught in its midst, ignoring its danger and risk. If Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, then anything related to him has the same intention. So I pray we would live with a new sense of urgency and intensity on righteousness. And the Lord Jesus, we would be a church. It would be known our deeds now are greater than those deeds at first. But not that the spirit of sin, the tolerance of sin, is something that happens within these walls. Lord, may the walls of our home see purity in the pursuit of your truth. May the children in the walls of our home hear that your words read and your prayers prayed. And it is in the name of the sovereign King Jesus we pray. Amen. Be seated, friend. So I'm going to go through here and uh, just kind of look at what is going on right here, right now. And then we're going to come back for more of a a temporal, contemporary application. So again, write to the angel of the church in Tyre, Tyre, thus says the Son of the God, the one whose eyes are like fiery flames. So with sensitive issues, he's about to address, because some of these things that are going on are secret, right? So the here, the participant, the church member, those that were sitting in the chairs, the pews, the, the ones who would read the letter as it was passed around to the congregants or read from the pastor, he's saying, remember again, I'm about to talk about something that only I would know is going on. Now often we can just write shotgun sins, But these letters are not shotguns, these are rifle shots. These aren't a hit all. They address very specific situations with certain peoples. And so he says, hey, church, I'm the son of God. I see everything and my feet are like that purified bronze. 
I have not moved from the truth. I'm not going to move from the truth. You're not going to convince me to compromise. You're not going to... I cannot accept your justification for your sin. No matter what trauma, no matter how lonely, no matter how depressed you may be, the sin that I see goes against where I stand and the truth I gave you, and thus it must be addressed. So the title this morning of the sermon is examined. You know what I hate at school? Examinations. I was pretty good at college. I didn't buy books, really. I just went and sat, made good on the little quizzes. There was one time I took a history test online. This is like way back when online classes didn't happen. And so I thought, I'm a history major, right? I can wing this baby. I never even went to anything. Never listened to a lecture. But I rolled in there in my arrogance to take those finals, and I took all four of them in one setting. Now, I passed with a D. But you know what it showed me? Exactly how little I'd put in to knowing the things I was supposed to know. You see, you really can't, unless you hide answers or just truly cheat, you really can't beat the examination when it assesses where are you, you know, where you should be, and, it, and based upon that, where are you going? And so let, let's keep going. He says, I've looked at you my, my, through my eyes and where I stand, and I've compared you to truth. And guess what, church? I know your works. I know the things you do. We've heard this before. I know your love and your faithfulness. And, and thankfully here, they have love. But let's see, they can have love and they have a capacity of faithfulness, but still tolerate one of the oldest evils on the face of the planet. I know your works, your love, your faithfulness, your service and endurance, and this is awesome. I know that your, your last works are greater than the first. So in, in some capacity, from the moment you gave your life to Christ to the moment we stand here today, which is that process of sanctification, you, comparatively speaking to the other churches, are continuing to make progress because your sacrifice, your effort, and your knowledge are improving when it comes to the standard I gave you. So church, well done, you're progressing. Man, I would hope as the Lord examines us each day that I've made progressions. Y'all like going to the doctor? You know he's not going to tell you anything good. I mean, so I'm already so nervous. I think the other day I went. I did go the other day. I don't think I went. And they put that high, that, I call it the high blood pressure cuff. Um, I have never had low blood pressure whenever they put that cuff on me. 
I feel fine until they put it on me. And I can just feel a fire burning within me because I'm worried that I'm, they're going to tell me I'm going to die. Um, cause I was fine. It, it may have been what, 158 over 92. It was elevated a bit. I mean, it's been higher before. Um, yeah, when we went in last time, I was sick to the yard. It was 218 over 120. Um, hey folks, when I told you I was high strung, like, that was the biggest understatement I have ever communicated to anyone. And then the, the thing was just going, beep, beep, beep. And it was, anyway, anyway. So, but what I really hate when you go into the doctor, because, you know, this is a form of an examination, and I'd already been, and he told me my cholesterol was high, and he told me all this junk. And so... You go up to weigh, right? And you got your keys and your phone. And you're going toward the scale and all you're thinking is, oh, I didn't do what they told me, right? So you, 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 you take your jacket off. You take your stuff out of your pants, right? You just start getting everything off. You can take off, because you know, I mean, you knew when you, you walked in and, and you saw that thing, it was not going to be good. And, and I, I want to do everything I can to be good on this exam, but she didn't give me time. Because <laughs> normally I'll start stripping when I come out of the waiting room. That way I can dump any unnecessary weight I'm carrying because I don't want to be guilty of not making progress. I feel like I got stuff in every pocket. I, hey, I'll put that right there. So I went in there and then, man, right there was that daggum weight thing. And I stepped on there and it had gone up a couple, all right? But there's one thing I figured out. I can't beat that thing. It's going to tell me the truth. And the Lord's saying, church, now I told you what you need to do. I told you how to get where I wanted you to be. And you keep thinking, you keep thinking that I'm either not going to see or that I'm going to move my standard. My eyes are still those eyes of laser and fire. My feet are still those feet of bronze. But for this church, they had made a little bit of progress. And so well done, church. But oh my goodness, what was going on in the church he said, so I want, want you to understand, number one, you've already been examined. Now, we need to understand that the Bible says, for those who have accepted Jesus Christ, their sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. That has to do with your pre-salvation sin. Okay? 
Paul elsewhere tells the church they will give an account for every deed done in the flesh. So I've already been examined today. He already sees who I am. He sees the true me that I hide from as many people as I can possibly hide. My insecurities, right? My fears, my anxieties, my anger, my lack of forgiveness. I hide all those. And he's saying, I, I see all that. You're still making progress. So let, let's, let's rest there for just a second. God knows you're going to struggle in this fallen world, right? So friend, let's not find shame in not being where we thought we should be at this point. Let's find conviction by His standard. When I step on those scales and that, that gal brought all three of them weights to that far right side. I was kind of hoping one of them would come back the other way. So what I've got to know is I'm where I'm at. And God knows where I'm at. Now, I can live in shame. I can do something about it. And that's the same thing spiritually. He says, church, you're all making progress because you have the power of the Holy Spirit. But church, you doing something that I cannot tolerate. Well, you see, Jezebel was a character in the Old Testament. She was royalty. And she sought to destroy, as many did, she was a tool of Satan to destroy the Israelite men. To destroy the faithfulness of the Israelite nation. Because you guys realize throughout the course of the world, it's not that people hate the Jewish people, it's that they're jealous that the hand of God is on the Jewish nation. I mean, they have prospered and they have flourished in the worst of situations. God's hand of favor is all over him, and you cannot deny God's hand of favor. And so Jezebel set out to destroy him. And so she would convince them to some capacity. It was an issue of sexual desire, promiscuity, but also combining sexuality and spirituality. That the cult, the god Baal, and you could be saved, you could find a new level of spirituality through sexual expression. And so, I mean, let me throw this at you. Do you know the one, they're not a religion, it, it's, a, it's not a denomination, it'd be a world religion. Do you know what religion more Baptist men are going to than any other Mormonism. Statistically true. Leaving Protestantism and going to Mormonism or Islam that allows polygamy. So this is nothing new. Satan has always used the perversion of sexuality to distract and to destroy and so he says, church, I got this against you. You're here in the New Testament 
And you're entertaining a sickness that I dealt with in the Old Testament. Has anybody ever wanted their daughter to be named Jezebel in here? There is nothing new about this gal. She's always been bad news. And so he's saying, how is my church, the one that is paying attention and trying, how is it that you're still entertaining one of the biggest lies and biggest cults that have ever existed? You know that gal's bad news. You know old Jezzy. She bad. No one ever made a t-shirt that said, I want to be Jezzy. Alright? I don't know what that meant. But I got this against you. You tolerate the woman now. The woman was dead. She was long dead. But you tolerate what you know she taught. And what she taught has infiltrated this church, ruining her reputation and destroying her unity in the power that I intended for her. Now, we live in a different world today. I mean, we have to recognize sicknesses that come from a certain amount of promiscuity. But there is one way that we've gotten around that, and I've just got to bring it up again. So, church, sir, young man, young lady, ma'am, you pretend, you pretend like you're doing real good, but you're entertaining something that has never been good. It has never been. I gave you the gift of one husband or one woman, one wife. And you can express that intimacy in any way you can imagine. That's between you, each other and me. But you take those intentions and those thoughts outside of the security of that marriage promise and covenant... Guess what I'm going to do? Friend, I, I told you last week I was going to pray two weeks for your repentance. Otherwise, this gal, apparently, it could have been another woman teaching the same thing. It could have been just a spirit. When I say spirit, I don't necessarily mean an e- evil spirit, but a, a remembering of actions in the past and kind of a revival, not a good revival of those behaviors. But she calls herself a prophetess and teaches, deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat meat sacrificed to idols. Here's Dill. I gave her time to repent. Look at this. But she don't want to. I gave her time to repent. I see everything. My spirit convicted. Old Testament I judged. 
Whatever's going on in this New Testament church, the Holy Spirit is convicted. And you know what? They don't want to repent. They don't want to give up their sin. They'd rather be at odds with me. And so, here's what I'm about to do. So here's what I want you to know before we get to this. You've already been examined. He already knows. You ain't hiding nothing from the one who sees in the night and the one who created the day. He says, I warned them. I told them. I've given time for them to repent. But they don't want to. They don't want to repent of this sexual immorality. So verse 22. And and I'm going to say a point number two, which is when do the results bother you? When he examines you, when he sees, does that bother you? And if it does, what is it? Is it a lack of passion for his word? Is it an absence of prayer in your life? Is it that you've never led anyone to the gospel before, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is it an addiction? Is it a lack of forgiveness? You know his standard. You know his standard. So he says, and whatever it is, see, He's calling out sexual immorality here. But that doesn't mean it's isolating and his judgment is only isolated to sexual immorality. Look, I gave her a chance. Now I'm about to throw her in a sick bed. And those who commit adultery with her in a great affliction. You know he's writing to the church, right? Now, when he says, throw her into a sick bed, he is referencing an eternity in a godless hell. No Christian can teach such things in direct opposition against God's word. Now, for those who follow... I've seen some people go and fall for some pretty ignorant things. But to the false prophetess, no. She didn't repent, did she? No. So let's keep going. Look, I'll throw her into a sick bed and those who come in alternate into great affliction. Sick bed, affliction. Sick bed, you know why it says sick bed? Because it was an ornate, romantic, extravagant bed that she would bring these men to, to destroy their lives. To destroy the hope and purposes of the church. Now don't you think for a second they ain't been men do the same thing to women. I gave her time, let's keep going. We gotta wrap it up. I'll throw in a sick bed, great affliction. Unless they repent... Verse 23, wait, what? I'm going to strike her children dead. 
Do you not think your sin and your indifference has an impact upon your children? The Scripture speaks to such. So look, I'm going to throw in a sick bed. I'm going to strike your children dead. Well, I don't like that. I don't like that my God would punish my kids for my sin. Listen to this. Ooh, this is good. God's warning you. He hates sin, right? And he will deal with it, right? So why is it you don't love your children enough to protect them? But you're mad at him for doing what he said he would do. You see? No, 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 no. Don't, don't blame this situation on God. God's judgment has nothing to do with anything more than His righteousness and His holiness. And the fact that you're going to escape His judgment has nothing to do other than His love. It has nothing to do with your righteousness. So the, I'd ask this question at this point. An examination demands action. So when I put my clothes back on after she weighed me, they took me back into this room. And that's where you get real nervous, right? He had given me these dumb blood tests. No, here's no one wants to know how unhealthy they really are. Right? So Doc comes in. Mmm. Mmm. Ooh. <sighs> I support Walgreens. <laughs> Why I didn't? If they sell stock, I need to invest. And so cholesterol, blood pressure, blah 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 blah. And then he says you're going to have to eat better. And I said, well, what does that mean? And I I told you the story. Pretty much, if you've ever enjoyed it in your life, you need to stop enjoying it. I had funnel fries at Epic last night. I just, I just need to come through with that. And it was better than I ever thought it would be. So, right, we're examined. God's already examined our heart. And then he gives a prescription for healing and repair. And he says, just like Doc, Son, if you don't make a few changes, it's not going to go real well for you long term. And so the scripture says the examination that he gives required action. He told Jezebel, well, he actually killed her. He told these other guys, man, if you don't, you don't repent. There's going to be hardship and affliction. How much of our hardship and affliction in our lives is directly correlated 
to our rebellion against God's standard. Well, let's finish her up. He says, church, we're going to have to deal with this. But I'm not going to put anything else on you. Only hold to what I have said to you until I come. Oh, I love this part. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. What does that mean? You see, God created the Garden of Eden with order. Humanity was designed to function. God is a person of authority and order. That's in His character. So in heaven, there is going to be a degree of order. There's going to be tasks. There just will not be toil. You see, if we think heaven is just about getting around a big table and eating... I don't care how good food is, it gets old. After 12, 13 cookies, I'm ready for something different. Heaven is not just going to be sitting there feeding our face. It's going to be tending the world with Him like He intended for it to be. You see, new heaven and new earth are going to be the one he intended for it to be. He makes all things new. And so when we get there, yes, there'll be levels of reward, but also levels of authority. And it won't be authority for your glory. It will be authority for his glory. You see, we'll all serve together in absolute peace and understanding that God is a God of created order. Okay, so, friend, hey, if, if I'm going to get to make my choice, I want him to be able to trust me with as much responsibility for an eternity because of my faithfulness here. Because that's a portion of my worship. It's not about my glory. But you think about crowns, and, and those are rewards, and we're going to turn around and lay them back at his feet. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to, we're going to close for this morning. There's quite a bit to think about. response in a church was kind of like that's supposed to be the doctor's office you know it's it's where we sat in church and we compared ourselves and our situations our perspectives our opinions our convictions to the standard of god's word and then we came if you will to the doctor and asked for help covid made alter it really hard and it is absolutely true that you don't scripturally you don't have to come to an altar for the Lord to save you you don't have to come to an altar for the people Lord to forgive you but the hardest and most humble thing 
is when our actions, our thoughts, and our convictions all line up, right? So I'm just going to ask, if, if you feel as though the Spirit has examined your heart, there's just things you need to just leave at the altar. Friend, the altar's open. If you want me to pray with you, I'll love to pray with you. If you want to meet me this week and talk about something, I'd love that opportunity. First and foremost, God, if you're not pursuing your spouse, please repent from that. You see, purity begins with sticks with passion. So yeah, fall in love with Jesus. But you can't fall in love with Jesus and not be passionately in love with your spouse. So just think, what would the doctor tell you? If he examined your life, what would he tell you? And that's how I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. Lord, you see. You see the real me. And I need the prescription. I need the truth of your word. Convict me. Empower me. Set me free. It is in the name of the Sovereign King Jesus, we pray. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.com. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.